Hey, Christ community, so glad you were joining us online. Thanks for letting me be a part of your spiritual journey today. Happy New Year's to all of you. You know, I can't think, I can't think of a time in my own lifetime where there has been such a unanimous collective rejoicing in the saying goodbye to the previous year. I mean, COVID-19 has turned all of our lives upside down. And because of that, there is this eager desire to just move on, right? Good riddance to 2020. Now, I wish it was as simple as, as turning a calendar page and all the negative stuff from the previous year was instantly removed from our lives. But as we find ourselves a few days into this new year, we know that's not the case. I mean, the brief reprieve of celebrating Christmas didn't remove us from life's realities. We are still in a global pandemic. We are still in the midst of restrictions and isolations and transitions, all of which make the beginning of this year feel a bit less exciting, if you will, right? Usually the start of a new year is an opportunity to dream and to plan and to set goals with anticipation of, you know, of new beginnings. But this year, honestly, it just feels different. Yes, we want to look to the future, but there is also a reality in our present that we can't escape from. For many of us, this past year has been excruciatingly difficult, trying to figure out school and work and relationships and personal safety and trying to navigate change and loss and feelings of disconnection and profound weariness. Many of us feel like we've been running on empty for several months. And just when we thought things were getting a little better earlier in the fall, the COVID numbers started increasing again. And, and along with it came increased restrictions and health concerns. So the last six weeks, I think the last six weeks have felt like some of the most difficult of all. So what is Jesus wanting to say to us in this moment as we're feeling the, 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 the weight of heavy circumstances and yet also a glimmer of hope for a new year? Well, that's, that's the question that's been on my mind and my heart for the past several weeks as I've been praying for our church in this season. And in the midst of that, through a variety of conversations and prayerful processing, I feel like the Lord led me to Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30, which is a passage in which Jesus speaks directly to our weariness and heaviness. But he also calls us to a vision, to a new way of living. And this new way of living is rooted in a promise he gives, the promise of rest. Look with me at Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30. Jesus is speaking, and this is what he says to us. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is God's word to us. This passage offers us an amazing promise from Jesus. He says, I will give you rest. You will find rest for your souls, which sounds awesome, but it's actually more awesome than we realize because what Jesus is talking about here is not simply a vacation. 
He's not talking to us like an HR manager encouraging us to take a two-week break from the challenges of life. No, Jesus is talking about a different way of living. We know that from the way he describes this. Look again, he says, he says verse 29, and you will find rest for your soul. See, this is about our soul. This is about a way of living in which our souls continually experience rest. Okay, so what is our soul? Our soul is basically our inner being. It is the non-material part of us that houses our personality, our thoughts, our emotions. Now, while COVID-19 is a physical virus that has impacted the physical well-being of hundreds of thousands of people, it has impacted millions of us at a soul level. The fear of getting the virus, that's a soul issue. The loneliness we experience from having to isolate, that's a soul issue. The increased number of suicides in all categories due to COVID, that's a soul issue. The feelings of being overwhelmed or and discouraged or frustrated and angry, these are all soul issues. When Jesus says, all who are weary and burdened, he's talking about our souls being weary and feeling overwhelmed with life circumstances in any number of areas, financial stress, relational conflict, emotional struggles. Jesus isn't offering us an escape from these difficulties. No, he is offering us a way of living in which our inner being, our soul, our inner being is at peace rather than feeling overwhelmed. A way of living in which our heart and mind are anchored rather than in turmoil. That's the rest that he is offering to us, a new way of living. Okay, so, so how do we experience this rest in our soul? It doesn't happen automatically. Jesus gives us two specific action steps that we are to take that enable us to walk in this promise, that enable us to walk in this place of soul rest. First, Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Notice this rest of soul is not found in a program or a list of steps or a set of religious rituals. No, it is found in a personal connection with Jesus. Now, from the context of this passage, we know that Jesus is talking to a group of people who are feeling weary and burdened with all the rules and regulations and religious barriers, behaviors, I should say, with all the rules, the religious behaviors placed on them by the Pharisees, the religious leaders and the scholars. See, for, for those guys, for the religious leaders, having a relationship with God was all about duty. It was all about rituals. It was all about obeying lots of commands. And ultimately, it was all about their self-effort earning God's favor through their religious performance. That's why when Jesus came along, you know, claiming to be the way to God, they resisted him, right? That's why they resisted him. Their pride kept them from admitting their need for a savior, that their religious practices actually kept them from experiencing their Messiah, from experiencing life in Jesus. Their souls were not experiencing rest. They were on a performance treadmill constantly trying to show God how wonderful and obedient and deserving they were. And, and they missed the life Jesus invited them to experience. See, this is the message of the gospel. 
It is not, please hear me, friends, it is not a message of more rules and rituals, trying harder to make God happy. No, it is a message of a Savior who gave his life for us on the cross so that we could live a new life of freedom from performance and religion and instead experience a dynamic love relationship with him based completely upon his life and on his work. See, the gospel of Jesus is good news, freedom and joy and life. And let me just say, if it ever starts sounding or feeling like bad news, like a burdensome, wearying way of living, we're missing it. Religion is probably creeping in. I love how a few verses earlier in this passage, Jesus offers this amazing prayer to God. Look at this. This is just a bit earlier, verse 25 and 26. He says, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned, i.e. the Pharisees and religious leaders who are trying to earn their own way. You've hidden it from them and you've revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. In other words, Jesus is saying the smart, self-sufficient guys missed it. While those who came to Jesus as little children found it. To come to Jesus is not simply a one-time event where you prayed some prayer years ago. Yeah, I received Christ. You know, that, that's, I, just, I came to Jesus past tense. No, no, no. What Jesus is describing here is a way of living in which you continually realize that your self-sufficiency is actually your worst enemy. Your need is what provides the open door. Jesus says to us, in your need, in your pain, in your grief, in your frustration, in your struggles, come to me. Lean into me. Look to me. Spend time with me. Open your heart to me. Let's hang out. Let's be together. He invites us to enjoy an ongoing, life-giving, real relationship with him. I mean, in a sense, this invitation is so simple It's so simple, and yet I think a lot of Christians have, for whatever reason, sort of dismissed this invitation in recent months. For some, it's just busyness, you know, getting out of the routine where meeting with Jesus has been kind of squeezed out by all sorts of other things. It's busyness. But for others, you know, I think it's the fact that before COVID ever hit, our relationship with Jesus had become little more than a ritual. So then when COVID did hit, we just sort of lost interest and didn't really miss it. I mean, that says something about the kind of relationship we had with him before COVID. It wasn't real or compelling enough to keep it going. See, let me just ask, where is your relationship with Jesus right now? Is it where you want it to be? If not, the solution is actually fairly simple. Jesus says, come to me. Carve out space in your life to hang out with me. I was talking with a friend of mine a few weeks ago who had something funky happen with his iPhone, and it took Apple like two weeks to get it fixed. And at the the beginning of the two weeks, he was just frustrated. He was missing his phone. He couldn't use his phone. He was just missing. He was really frustrated. But then he noticed something. As he was driving home 
from to, you know from work. He was driving home in the car. He would usually put on a podcast on his phone or YouTube or something. You know, he'd start listening to YouTube, so whatever. He, he, he instead of doing that, now he didn't have his phone. He started praying. He started processing his day with Jesus on his drive home, just praying to the Lord. And 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 all of a sudden, that drive home became life giving for him. So now that he has his phone back, he doesn't want to lose that experience. I mean, I don't know what saying yes to Jesus' invitation looks like for you in terms of time or schedule, but if in your heart a desire for Jesus is being stirred, I urge you to respond to that desire. Make space in your life to be with him. Come to him as a beloved child, not as an employee trying to you know, earn points and impress their boss. Just come to him as a child. Share your heart. Share where you're really at. No pretending. Just open your heart and listen to him share his heart with you. Just hang out with him. And by the way, next week, I'm starting a three-week teaching series I'm super excited about where we're going to be talking about, we're going to explore this idea of being with Jesus in an experiential way, in a way that transforms us. I can't wait uh, to start that. Okay, well, there's a second action step Jesus gives, a second crucial thing to help us experience his rest. Not only does he say, come to me, he then also says, learn from me. Learn from me. Again, we see here that what Jesus is inviting us into is a, a, a lifestyle, a journey of rest. But this rest is not a posture of inactivity or passivity. Not at all. It is a life-changing, engaging way to live. Look again at verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. There's, there's the command there. Learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus commands us to learn from him. Now, this word learn is a very important Greek word in the New Testament. It's a word used to describe a follower of Jesus, a disciple. See, in that culture, a rabbi would have a select group of learners, of disciples. And these people would not just be hanging around this rabbi to gather information or be the cool crowd or whatever. No, these people had actually made a commitment to learn from and pattern their lives after their rabbi. They were committed to living the way he did. So when Jesus says, learn from me, he is not talking about simply an informational experience where we learn certain facts about Jesus' life. We believe certain things about Jesus' life. No, he, he's talking about us choosing to pattern our lives after him, our rabbi. And what I love about this description is how it requires us to be continually connected to him, where he is our teacher and we are continually learning from him. How does that happen? Well, that's the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Okay, so, so in John 14, <clears throat> Jesus tells his disciples, this is right before he's, he's going to be crucified. He tells his disciples, his learners, that he is going to leave. And they're like, hold it. You're, you, you can't leave. I mean, how is this going to work? You're a rabbi. So if, if you're gone, how are we going to learn from you? And notice what he says, John 14. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, 
the spirit of truth who will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. This is so important. After Jesus' resurrection and ascension, when he and his physical body left the earth, he gave, this happened, he gave to us his Holy Spirit. His very own presence came to live in us. And this Spirit, this Holy Spirit, wants to speak to us, Jesus says, and teach us and lead us and guide us. In other words, the Spirit enables us to continue to be learners. Now, in this description in Matthew, Jesus uses a very vivid analogy to describe this life of a learner. It's the analogy of a yoke. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. A yoke is a piece of equipment that connects two animals so they share the workload. So the yoke is what binds the two animals together. So Jesus is saying that the way we learn from Jesus is by being yoked to Jesus. So what does it mean to be yoked to Jesus? He's talking about a continual connection to Jesus, connection with Jesus, where we are walking with him. We are united with him. We are learning from him. In our, in our church's purpose statement, we have a phrase to describe this. The phrase is all things with Christ. It is this lifestyle that Jesus invites us to experience in which we are continually welcoming his presence into each and every situation we encounter. We are walking with him, aware of his presence with us and joyfully surrendering to his direction. See, to me, this, this image of a yoke is so fascinating. Jesus doesn't say, take my rule book upon you and learn from me or take these guidelines and memorize them. No, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. He is describing this beautiful, connected, continual relationship. It is not heavy. It is not a burdensome set of rules. It is a love relationship. And again, it's the Spirit of God that enables that to happen. If you have placed your trust in Jesus, the spirit of Jesus lives in you. And he wants to help you cultivate this moment by moment, intimate relationship with him. See, this is the difference between having the GPS voice in your car or actually having a guide. A few years ago, my, my daughter, Erin, and I um, toured Gettysburg, um, the battlefield, and, um, and they had these little audio sets you could rent where a pre-recorded guide would kind of talk you through places on the battlefield. But someone, thankfully, someone had recommended to me ahead of time that we pay extra and we get a personal guide who was with us in our car and we drove around the battlefield. This guy that we had, had studied the Battle of Gettysburg for like 40 years. He was a wealth of information. I was asking him all sorts of questions. It was amazing. I mean, there was no comparison between those experiences, a pre-recorded audio presentation or a real person, no comparison. The life Jesus invites us to experience is him sitting next to us, being with us as we go through our lives. And we get to ask him questions and we get to hear his heart, just resting in his presence 
and his love. I mean, no wonder Jesus says that this way of living is a way of rest. It is a love relationship where he is walking with us and we are learning from him. Okay, now notice something really important here. Notice how Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. See, the implication here is that we are all yoked to something. It's not just that Jesus' yoke is the only yoke. No, there are many, many yokes out there. We are all yoked to something. We are all looking to something for our worth, our value, our significance. And so many of those things that we're yoked to are not providing rest. Quite the opposite. I mean, if, if you're yoked to your appearance, you will constantly be obsessing about your looks and what other people think of you. If you are yoked to your money, you will constantly be worrying in an economic downturn. If you are yoked to the latest political news, you will find yourself stressed and angry all the time. If you are yoked to a comfortable, easy life, then any difficulty will stress you out. See, Jesus' words here raise a very important question. What are you yoked to? What are you yoked to? And what impact is that having on your soul? About a month ago on Thanksgiving weekend, I was I watched my football team, my college football team, lose another game, and I was depressed and frustrated and not very fun to be around. My family was playing a game that evening, and I was just sort of sullen and, and distant. And it, and, it, and it struck me. Why have I given such importance to my team winning? It's exhausting. I'm nervous before a game. I'm discouraged after a game. Why am I yoking myself to the outcome of a football game? To what other things am I yoking my heart? And what impact is that having on my soul, my joy, my experience of rest? If we are yoked to anything other than Jesus, it will be a burdensome, exhausting experience. St. Augustine once wrote that our hearts are restless until they find their rest in God. Our hearts are restless, constantly looking to things in this world for our security and to trust in and all that. And they don't, those things don't bring rest. They don't bring rest. J Jesus urges us to be yoked to him, to find our life in him, to walk with him, to learn from him. His yoke, Jesus says, is easy. It's not burdensome. It is easy to be yoked to Jesus. Look again at this invitation. Take my yoke upon you. Choose this yoke, not these others. Choose this yoke. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Wow. <laughs> I mean, what an amazing invitation. I mean, that's where genuine rest is found. In this ongoing, intimate love relationship with Jesus, being yoked to him. You know, at the start of this new year, what, what a perfect time to stop and reflect on our relationship with Jesus. Are you experiencing his rest? More specifically, are you coming to him? 
regularly carving out time to be with him? Are you learning from him? Is your heart yoked to him or is it yoked to other things? Friends, these are not superficial type questions. These are significant questions that will have a profound impact on our experience of rest. And so I want to invite you to a specific response that can help create space in your life to to reflect on and ponder these very significant questions. So every year during the first part of the year, our church family does a fast together. The practice of fasting is a powerful spiritual tool God has given us to help us more fully focus on him for a particular season. So what happens in fasting is we give up something that's important to us. That, that's crucial. It's got to be something that we, that's important to us. So we give up something important to us for this particular period of time for the purpose of creating space in our hearts and our lives to seek God. Now, usually fasting involves food. The giving up of food for a particular length of time. I mean, food is obviously really important to us and it's a sacrifice to give up eating. But fasting can also involve giving up other things that are a sacrifice, that would be a sacrifice, like watching television or social media or the time we spend on certain websites or whatever. Again, giving up those things for a particular period of time for the purpose of creating space in our hearts and our schedules to be with Jesus. The more important the activity is to us, the more powerful our experience of fasting can be. It's almost as if in fasting, we are intentionally, we are disconnecting our heart. Excuse me. Yeah, intentionally. We are disconnecting our hearts. By fasting, we're disconnecting our hearts from certain yokes in order to be more fully yoked to Jesus. That's really what we're doing. So I invite you, I I challenge you, I invite you to consider fasting from something for all or part of the five days of this upcoming week. We have an informational brochure about fasting available in our digital newsletter. But in that fasting time, however long you decide to do it, a day or three days or five, whatever, however you long decide, however long it is for you, I want to encourage you in that time, use the time you would be doing that other thing and spend it with Jesus. If you'd be watching the news or you'd be watching Netflix or eating a meal, instead, during that time, hang out with the Lord. I mean, let's admit, we often complain that we're too busy to spend consistent time with Jesus. Well, here's an opportunity to create space for him this week. Space to reflect upon your relationship with him. To seek his heart in any areas of struggle. To perhaps set some goals for what you want your relationship with him to look like this year. I mean, what what a gift this can be. What, What a great way to start this new year by leaning into Jesus saying yes to his invitation from Matthew 11, 28 to 30. Come to him, learn from him, and let your soul experience rest in him. Amen. Let's pray together. So I want to encourage you as you're watching, I want to encourage you, let's just create space to respond to the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, would you speak to our hearts right now as we respond 
to you. So I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to ask the Lord this question. What am I yoked to? Lord Jesus, what am I yoked to? And what impact is that having on my life? So what would it look like for you to say yes to Jesus' invitation to be yoked to him? What would it look like for you in your heart to come to him and to learn from him? You know, maybe this would be the first time where you would be first time to say yes to Jesus. He died on the cross for you. And by coming to him, you're simply saying, I admit my need. And Jesus, I place my trust in you. Come live in me. Maybe for others of us, we've done that. We, we, we know Jesus lives in us, but maybe we've kind of disconnected from him in the midst of life right now. So what would it look like for you to say yes to his invitation to come to him and learn from him? Lord, would you lead us? Would you speak to us about what that looks like in terms of being with you, spending time with you? Would you lay it on our heart if, if fasting is something that you want us to do this coming week for all or part of this coming week? Lay that on our heart right now. So we commit this to you. Thank you for being such an amazing Savior. We come to you. We want to learn from you. Well, as a way of tangibly consecrating this year to the Lord, I want to lead you in the receiving of the Lord's Supper. Feel free to pause this recording if you need to go get bread and juice or wine. So Jesus commanded us to do this in remembrance of him, reflecting upon his work on the cross that brings us rest. And so let's take the bread, which represents the body of Jesus given for us. Eat this in remembrance of all that Jesus has given to you. Now let's take the juice or wine, which represents the blood of Jesus poured out for us for the forgiveness of our sins. This blood, the blood of Jesus, established a new covenant with him. The one that isn't based upon our performance, but completely is based completely upon his performance, his all-sufficient work on the cross. You can rest in his work. So drink this in remembrance of and in gratitude for the new identity you have in him as a beloved son or daughter of God.
Lord, thank you, Jesus, for giving us your life so that we could experience rest and peace. So we consecrate to you this upcoming week. We consecrate to you this upcoming year. We, we want to continually come to you and learn from you. Would you make 2021 an amazing year in terms of our relationship with you growing in our experience of rest in you? We love you. We worship you. We praise you. In Jesus' name.